you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today, if you've ever wondered if there's an easier way to sell, well, maybe selling the way your customer wants to buy will make the process easier. I am here today with Kristen Shivago and I'm excited because she has she's a revenue coach. She has spent years helping hundreds of CEOs and entrepreneurs sell more by understanding what their customers want to buy and how they want to buy it. She's also a sales marketing turnaround expert and management consultant. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So let's just get like right into it. So why? Should we sell the way customers want to buy? Well, it seems obvious when you put it that way, isn't it? Uh, As buyers, we know what we want and we know when we're not getting it and when we are getting it. And the companies that can do that well are the ones that sell more than the ones who don't. Um, I learned all this, started out as an ad agency in Silicon Valley selling tech products. And uh, that's when I started interviewing customers for my clients. So they would tell me what they thought was important to their customers and I'd interview their customers and the customer list was completely different than the company list. So just from a strategic perspective, they were off the mark. It was too hard <laughs> for the customer to buy. So I started doing these reality checks where I would come back and say, here's what your customer said. And I, after thousands of interviews, I got so good at it that I ended up writing a book teaching people. One of the chapters teaches you exactly how to interview your customers. You ask open-ended questions. You get them on a Zoom audio call. You don't want body language in, in the mix. And it's more convenient for them, just audio only. They can be on their cell phone or whatever. So you ask some open-ended questions, and those questions give you answers that are basically bankable. I mean, you understand the mindset of the customer when they set out to buy, which I define as their desires, their concerns, and their questions. And if you know what they are, you don't guess, but you know what they are, and you add those messages, you answer the questions, you address their their desires and concerns, when they come to your site, they'll say, oh, yep, that's me, and they'll stick with you and they'll buy from you. I love it. I love it. Uh, You know. It was funny you talked about interviewing, you know, the clients and the customers. I was working with a specialist this summer because I was finding it hard in my business to see the forest for the trees. I needed a bit of outside perspective and just creating a new product line. So he actually interviewed some of my current clients and it was very interesting. It None of the clients said anything that really surprised me. 
But what surprised me, because I do actually spend a lot of time talking to my clients, but what surprised me was what they thought was the most important. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. That's exactly right. Now, sometimes people are a little surprised. They say, wow, I didn't know they knew that about us, or I didn't know that was their reaction to what we did. But overall, they're not like, oh, geez, we've been doing everything wrong. It was more like, wait a minute, that's what they think is important? Mm, We better focus on that. It changes the strategy and the whole Mm -hmm. main message under which you can build all of your messaging. If that's off, all of your messaging is going to be off. Yeah, and it, it doesn't speak then to your to your target market. It'll speak to a market, but it won't speak to your target market. I found that really, I found that process for me was very fascinating. Uh, also clarifying. Mm-hmm. Yes, you prioritize in a way that you've never done before. Yeah. And it, it helps you when managing your people and, in addition to just messaging and everything, it's the products that you come up with, the problems that you're trying to solve, that kind of thing. Because that's where the money is. The money mm-hmm. is always solving a problem for somebody or meeting a need. Yeah. And if you really understand it in their own words, you're going to be 100% better at selling it than your competitors are. Well, you know, one of the things that, that I teach at RTI Publishing about creating the books, it's, you know, when you can explain your client's problem and their real problem, the true problem, better than they can, getting them to buy your product and services is so easy. And so it's that's almost secondary. Yeah. Yeah. One trick though is you shouldn't be like if somebody's sitting on top of their house because their area is flooded. Yes. And you come up with a boat and you stand about 25 feet away from their house and they and you you don't come over and rescue them. You say man, you look really miserable up there. I bet you're having a hard day. They don't want to hear that. They know what their problem is. So marketers tend to be proud of the fact that they understand. And so then they describe the customer to the customer and the customer is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that already. Tell me how you're going to solve my problem. What's the solution? So you do have to get right to the point. Yes. I do. I do agree with you in marketing that you have to get to the point. But I found in books, what was happening was, was that the books were more focusing on the solution, which is fine. Like books have to answer the questions. But for a book to really be considered thought leadership, like, you know, those books that really change people's lives. And of course, you know, in this case, you're talking 20, 30,000 words, right? So we're not talking marketing in terms of, you know, ads or social media or that. I fully agree. But I found in the books, the books were lacking really diving deep into the problem. And it created books that seemed more superficial. That was almost like, you know, I've got the solution by it. But, you know, people were like, well, but you don't understand my problem. Well, you have to get that right. I think to start with, you're absolutely right. And I did that in my book. The first couple of chapters describe this gap between the seller mindset and the buyer mindset. Mm-hmm. And I help them see, I help them put their their buyer hat on and say, yeah. you know, how many times have you gone to Amazon? Which, by the way, is the best at figuring out all the different ways to help you buy. I mean, they, they really have written the book on that subject. But even there, you can go in and say, yeah, but how big is it? Or does it work with my whatever? 
and those basic questions are not answered by manufacturers. I mean, by the people. And same thing with books. If you don't set the stage and give them the context, then everything you write after is suspect and they'll just get bored and they'll, I don't know how many business books I've started to read. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not really the problem. And you're right. I just, I just skim through the rest and it's on my, it's on my bookcase back here, but you know, I didn't get much out of it. <laughs> I, I fully agree. Kristen, we're going to shift gears in a moment. Cause I also want to hear a bit of your story, but audience, it's that time again. I have free resources for you. So we are going to take a quick 15 to 17 second break to share with you one of the resources available to you to help you not only publish a book, but publish a book that converts readers into clients. One of the keys to becoming an author is hiring the right publisher. It's the difference between having a book that converts readers into clients and one that sits unused on a shelf. Check out seven questions to ask before hiring a publisher. Get it free at authortoauthority.com slash publisher. Welcome back. Kristen, I would love for you to share a little bit more of your story. How, you know, you've done so many things in your life and I'd love to hear more about, you know, how did you finally come to start Chivago Partners? actually started an ad agency with my husband in Silicon Valley and believe it or not, 1979, <laughs> very long time ago. Before that, I had a lot of jobs in tech and I was selling. I was the first woman to sell machine shop tools in the United States when I was 17 and I failed. I went into one, I had this pivotal moment in my life. I went into a machine shop and this was back in the days of mini skirts and, you know, I wasn't too bad looking, whatever, but just a female inside of a machine shop. They're going to say, whoa, what's going on? So I went yeah, in, all these guys, yeah, there's the, all these guys come out, they shut the machines down and old machine shop operator, the, the manager, he said, okay, all right, you're here to sell me machine shop tools. Tell me how your drill bit is better than the one I'm using now. And of course, Pratt and Whitney just gave me a catalog and said, go sell. And I couldn't tell them. I mean, I was completely humiliated. And when you're 17, you don't want to be humiliated, right? <laughs> so I walked out to the parking lot to my 51 Chevy or whatever it was. And I said to myself, I'm going to learn everything I can about tech and selling. And that's what I've been doing ever since. I've never stopped. I'm always, when tech is always changing, I've kept up with it all through the years and mostly worked with tech companies until the web came out. So agency until 91, the Mac came out, people started taking all their marketing in-house. I said, okay, I'm going to reinvent myself. I told my husband he could retire, which he did and ended up busier than ever. He was an inventor and an artist and opened up this revenue coaching business mm -hmm. and I started doing marketing and sales turnarounds for companies all over the world, all, all sizes. But by 2017, I could see that people who had established companies and had done a good job with their products and everything were just like deer in the headlights when it came to digital marketing. They didn't know what they were doing. They were being shafted by people who were taking advantage of them. So I opened up an agency and it's a digital agency and that's what we do now. I have a team of people all over the country. They're tops in their field. And we help these companies 
use digital marketing to increase their revenue. I love it. Love it. So I have one question for you. Did you ever go back after you learned about tools and tell them why your drill bit was better? <laughs> no, I was long gone by then. I'd moved up to Silicon Valley and didn't stay in the machine shop industry either. Although my husband had a million of them in his, in his shop. Uh, so no, I just got what I needed from that guy and went on to work for a lot of companies, but it taught me a lesson. I needed to know what I was talking about and why that drill bit was better than the one he was using now. I love how you pivoted all through, you know, that, that's become such a word now pivot and it, it's almost got a negative connotation to it because of, you know, everything that happened through COVID. But I love the concept of pivoting because it's, it's like you're recognizing that I'm mostly going in the right direction, but maybe I just need to turn a little bit, like just take, get on my tippy toes and turn just a little bit. Right, yeah, you got to go where the money's. But wrote the first book I wrote, which was really a dress rehearsal for the second book, was basically about the fact that I don't care what the economy's doing. There's always yeah. somebody who's willing to give you money for something that they value, always. So you have to go where the customer need is. You have to see those opportunities. And then you have to be willing to give up your current life. When I switched from an agency owner to a revenue coach, which by the way, no one in the world had ever been before. I created my own industry for myself. Um, for a year or two, I didn't even know what I was supposed to do all day. I mean, I had massive, we were doing extremely well, my husband and I, with the agency when I, when I gave up. But I could see where it was going. So I just started helping people and mm -hmm. learning and getting better and still learning about tech because it's all with us all the time. You have to be able, you have to be willing. And by the way, that means you have to be saving your money when you are making money because during those years where you pivot, it's not going to be that kind of income right away. It's scary stuff. I, I agree. I agree. But, you know, as entrepreneurs, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about entrepreneurship. You know, that it's just going to be this one straight, you know, straight line ride up to success. Yeah, right. And to be honest, to me, it feels like a bowl of spaghetti. You start <laughs> out and you're going one way and then it curves and then you yeah. connect on to this. And then you feel like you're back at the beginning of the bowl again. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, right. You know. And there's it, a lot to do. I mean, being an entrepreneur, I'm coming out with a new, I don't know if it's going to be a book yet or a podcast, a podcast or both. But just the idea of what is the real, what are the three keys to success in business? And I thought about it a long time. And there's three things. Love, taking care of your customers and your employees. That's what love is. You just take care of people. Uh, leverage, which is when you do all of that, you're, you're building some momentum for yourself that pays you back. It's karma. It's, you know, just, and even saving and things like that. And then logistics. And I don't mean supply chain logistics. I do mean getting from point A to point B and how you manage mm -hmm. all the infrastructure of your business, yeah. finances, everything. And you have to be good at all of it to be an entrepreneur. It's the hardest you'll ever work in your life. And it's also the most fun. And in the beginning, it's the least amount of reward too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that though. LLL. It's so easy to remember. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, I've thought about my entrepreneurial journey often and 
you know, it started, my daughter just turned 30 this year and it started when she was two. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's, can't say 28 years, but definitely it was well into the 20 years, 25 years maybe, before I really truly understood what entrepreneurship is, you know, mm-hmm. what success looked like, how, you know, how to define my own success, how to reach some of the financial goals, you know, before I really felt like I was truly being an entrepreneur and I'd been doing it for, you know, over 20 years. But I look back on all that and I realize that everything I did, every small little business I did, everything, it taught me a different skill. So, you know, once I got into publishing and started RTI Publishing, it was all of a sudden like all these little things that I have learned, all the the failures, all the things I tried and it either worked or didn't work, whatever. It was like it all came together. And in, you know, the last seven years, because 2015, I was just ghostwriting. 2016, I kind of started the company. It was really 2017 when I really formalized a lot of it and actually, you know, stopped being a freelancer with a company name and actually became a company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's like everything has come together, all these lessons over these these last seven years and particularly this year you know this year has just been an incredible year of of growth of really things just coming together that I've been working on for long periods of time and trying to accomplish and trying to figure out and it was like you know God brought the right people at the right time and and I'm excited you know but this is like seven, seven, eight years into the process. So I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard. And, you know, there's, there's no shame if you have to give it up for a job to feed your family, because there isn't. But, you know, I was always thankful my husband had a decent paying job, so I could explore my entrepreneurship. But, you know, it's only been now, really this year, that the growth, the expansion, some of the things I've been wanting for a long time. And I'm now finally ready for it. Yeah, you do get to a point. I mean, I think I finally became a good manager, for example, when I hit my 50s, because I kind of got over myself. I didn't need to be right anymore. I didn't need to be the smartest person in the room anymore. I just was comfortable working with people and having them take the credit when it was due. And and now I have a, a very loyal, uh, wonderful team. We have this rule. We don't work with jerks. Yep, me or, too. Or divas. I don't want them in my life because my, yeah. my definition of a jerk or a diva is all they do is make things harder for everybody. I don't care why. I don't care how. I don't care why they, what their problems were when they were children that made them that way. But they, they make everything harder because they always want to be the one who knows it all. And it's just, I don't have any of that. No clients, no workers. So we really have a good time working every day. We love it. It's really nice. But you do have to get over yourself. You have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to give things up. You have to be willing to bring people in who can make up for your weaknesses and be okay with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of wish I got there sooner, but it all worked out. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm 52. and you know, I found in starting in around probably my mid 40s, 
I found things shifted. Like there was just things I really didn't care about anymore. And (laughs) one of them was what people thought about me. Now I care about people. Yeah. You know, that that's never stopped, but I didn't care whether they liked me or not anymore. Yep. Once you get past, that's a big one to get past. And then you're free. Then you can just be yourself and be unapologetic about who you are and what you care about. It's a really wonderful place to be. You know, the thing I found about it was, was that, you know, people can disagree with me. They can give me different points of view, whatever. I'll listen. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have to agree with you. Yeah. I wish we could all get that way in this country right now because that doesn't happen everywhere. It's such a, it's such a wonderful thing to just say, oh, that's interesting and think about it and say, well, it doesn't work for me, but I'm glad it works for you. That's good. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no, I've got to be right. And I realize I'm not everybody cup of tea. Yeah, that's okay. You just because a lot of people drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. You just shake the dust off your shoes and go to the next one. It's all right. Yeah. You know, I think as an entrepreneur, that's, I think that's a valuable place to come to. Well, it certainly keeps you from making big mistakes. I mean, Having worked with hundreds of CEOs and entrepreneurs and seen over and over again what really kills companies, it's mm-hmm. it's everything you're talking about. It's all of those things where they have to be right and they won't give credit to anyone and they won't delegate or they don't treat their customers well. Yeah. And I've had every single person who works for me worked for at least one bad boss. And they got so humiliated and so demoralized and they were being asked to do things that in their conscience, they knew wasn't right. And our conscience keeps us from, you know, being so Mm -hmm. angry that we kill people and, and having temper tantrums on airplanes and all of that stuff. It's, it keeps us in. Oh, isn't that an interesting topic for today? (laughs) Yeah, let's not go there. I don't even want to get on an airplane. I used to travel everywhere all the time and I'm, I'm like, okay, I don't really want to be on the the airplane with that person doing that thing. But the conscience is a big deal. And I don't think there's enough of that in marketing, which is why I talk so much about love in my new book, because again, it's just taking care of other people. It's mm-hmm. making sure their needs are met. I had a really good marriage for 44 years, 45 years before my husband basically died of cancer. But what really happened was he couldn't go on. It was his second enormous battle with fatal cancer. He shot himself finally oh, a couple of years her. ago. Yeah, it was terrible. Worst day of my life. I'm still in love with him. We were very much in love to the last minute. But he didn't. I don't think he wanted to be a burden either. I mean, I think he was just, he was to the point where he couldn't walk from one end of the room to the other without being out of breath and lung cancer. So... Anyway, uh, I learned through my marriage more than anything that there's no limit. If you really love somebody, there are no lines, there are no boundaries, there are no limits. You just do whatever you need to do to make sure they have what they need. And it's very rewarding if they're the right kind of person. They, They pay you back. I mean, I have absolutely no complaints whatsoever about my marriage and my husband. I miss him every day. You know, we're talking about how to sell the way your customer wants to buy. And, you know, I think if you just included love, 
that yeah, that's it's not it's not a happy concept to the big corporate world. They don't they don't get it. They don't get that. But I think anybody who's an entrepreneur who starts a company because he's trying he or she is trying to solve a problem, the basic idea of love is is there. It just gets kind yeah. of clouded with all the this do this do that the deadlines the problems, the taxes the regulations all of that stuff that kind of wears us down. But if you just keep yeah. in mind that your whole goal is to meet those desires, concerns, and questions and give somebody what they need, it kind of grounds you. It kind of makes it okay mm -hmm. to just keep going and doing And it's very rewarding. And you know, the thing is when you do that, like if you want to build a business where business is always coming into you, exactly. do that. Because when you treat, you know, when you treat your clients and your customers that way, guess what? Yeah. They refer you. Not only that, they want to give you more business. I mean, a lot of our growth yeah. for our company has been internal organic growth where clients say, well, you did that really well. Now let's do this other thing. And mm -hmm. we just take on more and more of the responsibility to the point where we're pretty much an outsourced marketing department for them. And we'd yeah. love it. It's fine. I've organized the company so that it works. That's another big area that's unfortunate for people is that, um, they don't get the infrastructure right. That's why I'm going to be talking about logistics so much because I really got good at processes. So when I started the company, this one, the first thing I did was hire an infrastructure manager. That's, I mean, I knew I had to build the systems yeah. and I had clients already because I brought them with me from another agency I had with another guy for about two years. Um, and so they expected the same kind of service <laughs> they were getting. Mm -hmm you know, the next day after I started the company. So I really had to build the systems well yeah, and fast. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked. But because I knew how important processes are and with all the automation and technology, you absolutely have to be able to build and manage your processes. Our whole business is in the cloud and that's where it should be. As long as we don't have a bomb, you know, knocking out the grid or something it's all going to be good. So it's really important to do that. It's how you take care of people. A lot of it is structure. Yeah. We're going to shift gears here, Kristen. We've got a few minutes left, but I want to ask you the one question that I ask every author that comes on this show. So Kristen, what was the good, the bad, and the ugly of writing road, Roadmap to Revenue, How to Sell the Way Your Customers Want to Buy? It was fun writing it. My husband and I are sailors. We had a 48-foot catamaran built in South Africa and sailed at home together, just the two of us, 2009. Um, so I did a lot of the writing on a laptop in the Caribbean, Caribbean, and my husband was my editor. I think the hard part was how many times I made myself proof that book before I published it. In the end, there was only one typo. It was a URL where I should have said .au for Australia instead of .com. But the rest of it, no typos. So I, I actually went through it myself 18 times, and my, I had five other people proof it. So I think that's part of it, just the drudge work that goes with that. I ended up self-publishing because I had an agent come to me and say, write a book for us. But it, once, I, once I started realizing who was going to decide in the big publishing houses whether it was published or not, I knew they wouldn't understand it. They wouldn't appreciate it. It's written for entrepreneurs and CEOs. So I just self-published and I 
totally think that's the right way to go, but you have to do a lot of marketing. Yes. Yeah, you do. I mean, you there's do. a lot of, there's a new uh -huh. book. What is it? Every day there's a 3000 books come out or something. It's, you've got an awful lot of competition. Yeah. Yes and no. Because to be honest, most books don't get marketed. Yes, that's true. You're right. Yeah. You are the one that's marketing the book and actually getting it out there and actually using it. You will actually stand above. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Wow. We are out of time, Kristen. I have so enjoyed this conversation. Same here. If people have, so two things. Share one final thought with us. And then if people have loved this conversation and they want to connect with you, how can they do that? The final thought is really is all about love. It's about taking care of people and figuring out what they want. And if you guess, you're going to lose. Absolutely 100%. So don't guess. In my book, in chapter three, I say, here's exactly how you interview them. Here are the questions you should ask. Here's what you do with the information. And here's how you go from... I have three stages, discovery, debate, because you have to then take the stuff back to your management or whatever, or any, whoever else, and then deploy. And so those are the three phases of, of actually getting out there and marketing correctly. Um, getting in touch with us, pretty easy. If you just type my name into Google, I pretty much dominate. because <laughs> there's only one of me out there. And I know how to market that. And then our site is ShivagoPartners.com. And the book is on Amazon. You just type in Roadmap to Revenue and you'll get the book. It's Audible, Kindle, and regular hardcover. Nice. So that's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, and Zhivago, Z-H-I-V-A-G-O, for those of you who are listening. Wow. I, I have... We went off track, but I really <laughs> like where we went with today's episode because I think sometimes, you know, we don't get to have those entrepreneurial conversations. Yeah, it's hard. And, it's and hard to work. talk with someone like yourself who's had so many years and have seen the ups and downs. I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciated that conversation. Great. If you Go ahead, Kristen. No, I just said great. I'm glad. If you've enjoyed today's episode, I want to encourage you just to scan back a little bit to episode 435, How to Improve Lead Quality and Closing Rates by 87%. If you are on YouTube, you will see the thumbnail somewhere on this screen. Just click on it. If you're on your podcast app, you're going to have to scan back about 20 to 30 episodes to episode 435. Thank you so much for listening today, and we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Bye. You've been listening to the Author to Authority Podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.